Good afternoon, Vault Nation. Welcome to another episode of the AFL Vault. I'm your host, George Chipper Chipness. Got a lot to go through this week. There's been a lot of controversy in the AFL. There's been uh, a lot of hot topics. We've got two guests uh, today, a couple of familiar faces, but our first one is Mr. Debrief himself, Tom Dorf, Newendorf. Tom, how are you, buddy? Mate, I'm not about Mr. Debrief. I'm not quite Mr. Debrief yet, but if things keep going the way they do on the vault, who knows? Yeah, you're a passionate <laughs> man, and I love a bit of passion with supporters, and... Uh, to see to see that passion with Melbourne, I saw a I saw a message you posted. Uh, I think it was last week. You said, "Look, there was yeah. um, a forecast for the next four weeks ahead." You said, "If we are going to be a legitimate side, we need to win all these four games. Stuff three and one, stuff two and two. I want four and zero." And so far, yeah. Tom, your team's two games. Uh, you've got a two-game winning streak for your team, albeit against some lowly competition in Essendon and St Kilda. But a win is a mm-hmm. win in such an even mm-hmm. competition. Mate, I was watching the last two weeks, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I reckon we're back, you know? I agree. I reckon we're seriously back, and Jake Lever's coming into some hot form. Mate. And mm. you, you just go through the list, and you just see players like Oscar McDonald. Have you been watching Oscar McDonald this year? Have I been watching Oscar McDonald? I have had raps about him ever since he was at North Ballarat, and I'm so glad he's come good. Uh, he is seriously one of the best one-on-one key defenders in the league at the moment. Oh, you hit the nail on the head as well when we were talking about Oscar. I kept asking you last year, what do you think of Oscar? What do you think of Oscar? Your first reaction was his kick. His kick needs work. But defensively, I think he's just as good as Jake Lever. Yeah, he's incredible. And the thing that I like is he's actually cleaned up his disposal. Like, yep. he's, um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't um, you know, get afraid when the ball's in his hands anymore. Like, he makes pretty good decisions now. And his positioning's out of control. Like, he he reads the play so well. Nearly Rance level, I reckon. Almost Rance level, I agree. I'm sorry, I mean, I mean, I mean not, not, not overall Rance level, but his reading of the play is as good as Rance. No, 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 uh, I completely agree. This isn't, this isn't the debrief podcast, but I like talking about, because I actually had Melbourne to win the flag at the start of the year, and I've got so many scoffs, so many snarks, George, what do you want about? They had a bad run, but the positive thing about this is that it's bloody week seven. So they got that out of the yeah. way. Hopefully they string some form together. Gorney's playing well. Petraka's on fire. Oliver's on fire. Sam Wiedemann is getting games into him. They're getting a lot of um, development into that bloke. And yeah. another player that is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated players already is Bailey Fritch. He's an absolute star. Yeah, we spoke about him in one of our first podcasts the other. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me a little bit of Adam Uze. A little bit of Uze about him. There is a lot of Uze about him. Just um, a thin boy with good core strength and very opportunistic. I get that. Charlie Spargo looks good too. He's just a bit of a jack-in-the-box, you know. He can just pop up and take a grab and all that kind of stuff. Well, the Demons uh, are on fire and uh, they come into this week with, with so much confidence. But we're going to go into our, into our major topics. Look, mate, we're, we're, not a, we're not a serious podcast, but we've got to address these issues. The first one is uh, Nick Nat's suspension. Uh, what do you think, mate? Is it right or wrong? They're appealing. They're appealing, which is a good thing. Won't get a result until uh, later today, I think. But, yeah, yeah, what do you think? Well, I listened to SEN this morning and I was listening to uh, old Peter Schwab um, have his say on the matter. He's the uh, ex-match review 
panel director or something along those lines. Um, and he was saying, having looked at the incident, he didn't see like a second action, which is what the dangerous tackle is all about. Um, he just saw one action, um, and he just he doesn't think that McNatt was reckless. And I tend to agree with that, having seen the incident for the first time today. I think it was it was more he was coming in at speed, and he's just such a powerful guy that. The tackle probably looked worse than it was just because of how big he is. Um, yep. But, uh, you know, there was no, like, there was no... You know when a player grabs someone, pins their arms, and then slings and whips them back? And that's a dangerous tackle. I don't think... I didn't see any of that. I just saw, like, a pretty, like, stock standard tackle that just happened to, like, result in a pretty heavy collision with the ground. But um, I don't think it was um, suspendable. No, no, completely agree. Um, Carl Amon just, uh, he's just a smaller player, so it looked worse than it was. Nat knew he's just a beast. And it was, um, by the letter of the law, it was a very good tackle. I think at the time, yes, you'd give a free kick for in the back, but I think that's as far yeah. as it goes. Yeah, I think there has to, I think for a tackle to be um, suspendable, it has to be like a serious, serious spear tackle, or like um, when you grab someone and then, and then throw them in a secondary whipping action into the ground. If you're just doing a normal tackle that, you know, the head happens to hit the ground, and I don't think, you know, any anything reckless was involved, then that's all right. That's a fine at most. Yeah, completely agree. Now, we'll go from that, and we'll go to another suspension that's um, had a lot of talk. Um, Tom Hawkins, the old uh, feather touch on, on, on the umpire. I forgot the umpire's name, but uh, he... I think he's got the one-week suspension... He's appealing that to. I think what I think it's a good thing that they're trying to um, set a tone and set a precedent down to the grassroots level that you should never touch an umpire, which I agree with. But I think when you saw the vision, Tom sort of like hesitated a bit. I'm trying not to be biasy because I'm a cat's man, but he sort of hesitated. He knew, oh, okay, I didn't look at you. I thought you were another player. What like do do you see the same thing as I did, or do you think he actually deserves it? No, I think he definitely, like, meant to do it, but I don't think that it was, like, again, I don't think it was suspendable. Like, you know, it was, like you said, it was just a feather touch. If he had, like, fully, like, pushed him in the chest or something, fair enough, you know, but just, like, a little tap of the finger, it's like, come on, mate, it's football. Like, I'm not saying you can go ahead and touch the umpires, you know, willy-nilly, but for something as minor as that, you know, in the heat of the moment, I feel like it's just a bit, it's just a bit silly, you know? Yeah, yeah, agree. Agree. Um, we'll go from that, and I, I guess we're going to have a look at the game itself. Like, there's just been a lot of traction um, in regards oh, to... Oh, the state of the game? The state of the game. Is it too slow? Is it too <laughs> congested? Low scoring? Are we going backwards? Are we going forwards? Oh, people love talking about the state of the game, don't they? Oh, I think it's really, really um, relative and reactionary. So I'll give you, I'll just put a, a hypothetical. Like when you give someone a bar of chocolate and you don't give it to them for another six, seven months, that person's just going to want another bar of chocolate. But if you give them a bar of chocolate every single week, they're going to get sick of chocolate. And I think that's what's happening with the AFL community. They get footy and they find every little thing to knock it. Because they've just had so much of it. And, oh, I don't want to see my game die, this, that, the other. This yeah. happened 13 years ago when Sydney were playing flood football. This happened back in the 70s and 80s. Like, it's just a wave. It's 
Yeah, it's a tough one because I can kind of um, I can kind of agree with a lot of what people are saying with the congestion and everything. Um, but I don't know a rule that is like capable of being implemented that's not too drastic. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I can't think of any given rule that would not like totally modify the game. You want my rule? You know what I mean? You want my rule? Get rid of the interchange cap, fresher players, less congestion. Um, How would that resolve in less congestion? It would resolve in, le- in less congestion because I think one of the tactics is that teams want to be a bit more defensive and don't want to concede. And at the same time, they need to be mindful of this cap. If there is no cap, they're going to allow the players to be fresher. There's going to be more explosiveness. You're going to see a lot more bigger plays. And there's going to be more defending the arc rather than defending the stoppages. And I think that's just my opinion. Like, my opinion's not right. It's just an opinion. They're just like <laughs> well, my, assholes. My, Everyone's my got one. My that is that if you have players that are fresher, you're going to get more players getting to more contests, which will make the congestion worse. I see that. But I also see um, quicker players, more explosive players, and... I think more athletes that will get to actually be athletes and and put and put their skills on display as well. Like mm. it's, it's worth. But like, someone like someone like Jaden Stevenson is still like crazy fast at the end of these games. Did you see the oh, yeah. playing with Brizzy game? Yeah, he's a star. His final his final goal. He was so fast. Like players have just got to get fitter, in my opinion. Keep the interchange cap, but just get fitter. You know. Yeah. Yep. What so you so your opinion is that you wouldn't change so, anything? You just wait until it sort of rides out. I was going to say me, me and my mate have this crazy like um, theory about like uh, having a certain amount of players to be inside fifty at all times for both teams. Density rule. Um, yeah. So like then because people are complaining about losing the classic key forward, classic full forward. Sorry. Um, so if you have like a player that has to be in the offensive 50 at all times or X amount of players have to be in the offensive 50, I reckon that would make it pretty exciting. But like, again, how far does it go? What are the ins and outs? All, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, it could be something. That could be something. Yeah, I think I think Prendo had a, a good um, idea, in, which was his whack last week, and that's eliminate the uh, throw-ins and the ball-ups from waiting for the umpires to like wave behind them and, and all that stuff and wait for an umpire, wait for the two rucks to come in, just throw the ball up or throw oh, the ball in. Yeah. That would make things a lot quicker. And I think Joshy's onto something. I don't know why we yeah. haven't elected Joshy to be part of AFL House after that. Yeah, I hate that nominating ruck thing. Yeah. I hate it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so slow. Hmm. Just throw the thing up, you just, know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot we can go through in regards to the rules and blah blah blah. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll go from that. But let's let's get into a bit of a good news story here. Gee, how good are the roos right now? They're really, really, um, ah, really. It kills me. They're really united and they're playing with a bit of gusto and a lot of hardness. Oh, I know you don't are. like North. Not but... many people do, but kudos, kudos to them. Kudos to North, but they, they won ugly on the weekend. It was a shocking game. See, I thought so, it was a really good game in regards to the contested nature, and I think that's where we go back to um, how long's a piece of string with these defensive battles. I actually really enjoyed the contest because it, it was against a very good team against a team that, you know, has surprised a lot um, considering 
their preseason predictions and the fact that they were so close and just kept it. But the, the skill level, I agree with you, low, shitty, but it was very content. It was a very good game, in my opinion, to watch as just a footy fan. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I find that I, I'm not as impressed by that victory as as everyone else seems to be. Like you know, no buddy. I'm sure they had other injuries. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know about North. I don't reckon they're going to make the finals. I just can't oh. see it. Well, they're seventh. Reckon, at, are they seventh at the moment? Yeah, I reckon they. I reckon they're going to be one team in the currently in the eight that will drop out. What's that team? That, that, and you think that will be North? The other eight. The other yeah, seven I, are in. Yeah, I think North and who else is in? Okay, so I'll go from the top. Richmond first, West Coast second, Adelaide third, Hawthorne fourth, GWS fifth, Geelong sixth, North seventh, Sydney eighth. I actually think there's three teams they're going to drop out. So I'm going to guess what your three teams were, and I would guess if I was to guess, I would guess Geelong, uh, North, and GWS. Um, the first one is going to shock a lot. I'm going to go West Coast. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to have a really... like they've, they've had a, a kiss-on-the-dick run to start the season, and them important games are going to come back in the second half of the year. And who knows? Their injury their injury list is almost non-existent c- compared to other clubs like Adelaide, GWS, Geelong. And I think GWS, Geelong, Adelaide, these teams will get their plays back at the right time. North Melbourne, unfortunately, will drop out. And Sydney won't make the finals either. I'm really Jeez. concerned about Sydney this year. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know about Sydney. Don't know. I, I always had them in the finals, but who knows? But I'm more interested in what's going on down GWS. Why can't they get all their best players on the park ever? Uh, my biggest concern about GWS is not that. It's just where's the confidence gone for players like uh, Johnny Patton? Callan Ward is, doesn't seem like the same player. Um, Heath Shaw, I think, has reached a cliff. Their ruck, their yeah, ruck woes are in serious trouble after Shane Mumford's retirement. Like this team does not have a lot of depth. If you got players That's like Nick, Sh- yeah, Nick Shipley playing for you and bloody Dylan Buckley, you're in trouble. Let's go through GWS's injury list. Oh, here we go. Let's, let's have a quick look. I've, I've just got it in front of me here. Hang on a second. <laughs> let's have a look. So, they've got Jeremy Cameron, Brett Deledio, Toby Green, Josh Kelly, Rory Lobb, Tom Scully, Zach Williams, all absent. That's, buddy, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's, that's seven out of their top 15 players. Yeah, it's a, it's a big loss. It's a big injury. And that's what I said. I, said I, I think if they get these players back, they'll be okay. They'll make the finals. I'm not sure if they'll make top four, but... You know, yeah. the injury got the, the footy gods play an evil, evil trick on some teams um, with injuries every year. And this yeah, year, it's. I know, it's, but yeah. if you look at GWS, they keep trading away these gun players. At some point, you've got to hold on to some. You know, like Devin Smith, you know, all these guys. I reckon they should have held on to some of them. Jack Steele, Tom Boyd. Yeah, Jack Steele, perfect role player, you know? Um, what's the player that Nathan Wilson, Frio? Oh, he's a big Matt loss. Matt Kennedy, I reckon, is going to turn into a good player. Yes, Matt Kennedy. Um, there's talks that Dylan Shield uh, might go. Yeah, Stewart. I reckon James, I reckon James Stewart would have been real handy in that forward line. Oh, 100%. 100%. Will Hoskin Elliott at, at Collingwood. Um, but like, yep. I, like I said, Shield is the one this year that, um, everyone's looking at and going, 
guess who's coming back to Victoria? And, it, you know, Carlton's in the box seat. They're going to lose someone else. GWS are going to go from a team that was on the fringe in prelim finals to possibly bottom, bottoming out. And everyone's going to look at Gold Coast and go, Gold Coast might actually overtake them in a couple of years' time the way they're going. Yeah, and, and, and let's not get started on the bloody Tom Lynch argument. Jesus. No, nah, I don't... Well, let's not get started on Tom Lynch. Let's not go into that. That's for another episode. Yeah, it's for another episode. We, we need we need some content in later episodes. Um, but <laughs> we've got, we've got the, I've got the fixture in front of me here. There's some really, really good games, some really, really bad games. But here are the good games to me. Friday night, we finally got a good game on Friday night, Tom. Hawthorne, Sydney at the MCG. Oh, God, that yeah, is a good. How good. Um, so we got the showdown uh, Saturday twilight, Port Adelaide and Adelaide. We've got North v Richmond, which will be interesting, um, Sunday early afternoon. And Collingwood, Geelong, 3.20 Sunday. Them Sunday games are, are going to be very fun to watch. Hey, well, I heard a crazy stat about Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. It was something like... Um, sorry, their, their games at Adelaide Oval during the day, their record during the day at Adelaide Oval is amazing, and their their record at night is terrible at Adelaide Oval. Yeah, I believe that. What, what What's the deal with that? How can a team go from being incredible to shocking because of the time of day? Just looking at their last two years, I think that they actually tend to choke a little when the spotlight's on them in big games. But if it's games that aren't on televised... Like, this game, this showdown, um, I yeah. digress, is, is a big, big game. But when the Massive. spotlight's... Massive. Yeah, but when the, like you said, when, when it's not under lights, they play a lot better. And when there's not as much pressure on them, they play better. I think there's more pressure on Adelaide than Port this week as well. Port might get over the line. And do you know who I reckon is a huge loss for Port and why they're playing not as good recently? Who's that? Hamish Hartlett. He's important. Oh, Hamish is important. Yes, very good footballer. Very, very good and, footballer. And I just want to quickly revisit the Jack Watts argument because... You can revisit he, him all you want, mate, because I agree with you. He's been, he's been, he has been shocking since Port Adelaide have started being bad. Um, he's what my boss would call someone that sleeps with the light on. And that's, I think that's what, um, ex-champion data analyst John Giramondo said as well. And, um, I, I, you, you said that a lot. I, I told you right at the start, I go, when he got traded, I go, uh, what do you think, Tommy? And you just laughed at me and you go, look, I'll let them have the flashy kicks and the plays because when it goes the other way and it's defensive, he is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, and that has... Well, true, in my opinion. And also, you know what the best part about it is? We got Bailey Fritch out of that deal. <laughs> you did. You got that draft pick. How good is that? That is just like the ultimate draft trade win. <laughs> you traded a former number one pick for a pick, what was it, 40-something? And he ended up getting um, another avenue to go. Oh, mate, and he's just so much better already, in my opinion. <laughs> he's a <laughs> but star. But obviously, I'm a little bit biased. No, I've never seen a player that skinny in stature to mm. clunk marks and hold core strength like him. Like, Jack Rewalt's a skinny bloke. Um, he has beefed up over these, but when you first saw him, you'd go, how does this guy have so much core strength? That's what I think of Bailey Fritz. Yeah. How does he hold his feet? How does he take these marks mm. in midair? He's, he's an absolute and- amazing player. And last last point I want to touch on from the week that was was um, 
How good was Jordan Begali? Oh, yep. I, I don't... I, it's a real conundrum for me because I'm supposed to hate this club, but the players that this club picks up, I can't help but love them. Jaden exactly. Stevenson, Jordan Degoe. Everyone can knock Jordan Degoe, and everyone on social media can have a rant and talk about his hygiene in his share house. But what he did on the field last week is why everyone talks about him so highly. He's an absolute star. Um, yeah, talk- and I've got Collingwood in the Chippo Cup, and I am following that team very closely this year. And... Gee, they're they're actually good. You're even second now. The pies are good. The pies say it. The pies are good. The pies are a sneaky. um, If they get everything right, they could hit a top four spot at the end of the year, and they're a very very dangerous team. Yeah, I'm. uh, I've got. I'm expecting big things from the Pies in the next couple of years. Yeah, a couple of other players I absolutely love. Sam Murray's come of age. Mason Cox is clunking marks and roaming the ground. I'm really, Tom, really young, happy for young him. Young little Tom Phillips. Tom Phillips is um, just a ball magnet. You could go Josh on and Thomas on. Josh has come good. And this is another unpopular opinion. They've got a charismatic, no-bullshit coach in Nathan Buckley. Everyone could argue his his acumen as a coach, but I you can never, ever dispute the way he goes about it and fronting his critics. I would love to have a coach like that in my team, and I would love to have someone like that leading my club. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Well said. And, and, and I really like the uh, Josh Thomas story, you know? Away from the game for a year, comes back and just starts dominating. Oh, 100% agree. Collingwood fans, you're in very, very good hands. You've got Geelong this week, and you love playing Geelong on a Saturday, on a Sunday afternoon. That's another stat that I found. I think Collingwood is undefeated in five games against the Cats at the G on a Sunday. How about that? Travis Varco Cup. Travis Varco Cup. No, um, the Carl Steinford Cup. What's another one? Oh, Carl Steinford. What, what a player. Centre-half back for Geelong in the late 90s. But that's all the time we have, uh, Tommy. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, you've got the Gold Coast Suns at the Gabba, weirdly enough. I think they're still trying to clear mm. away Metricon Stadium after the Commonwealth Games. Um, just <laughs> an quick... absolute shambles, mate. Absolute shambles. Um, you did very well at the Gabba last time round. Round two, you beat the Lions. Um, are you expecting... You, you just want to get a, a win with no injuries, regardless of the points, or, uh, regardless of the margin, I assume? That is incorrect. I want an absolute <laughs> flogging. I want 12 goals, and I expect at least a seven-goal victory. There you go, guys. 12 goals. And to go through, we're going to go through all these games um, on the punt on Friday. For those that want to punt and uh, and for those that can, we can't, Tom. But we're going to give our, uh, I'm going to give my little uh, hidden gems for the week as well. And just like those ones with Collingwood Geelong and Adla- uh, Port Adelaide Adelaide. But, Tom, again, thank you, mate. Yep. I'll be seeing you sometime this week in the trenches at uh, Champion Dieter. <laughs> Sounds good, mate. Thanks. I got gas in the tank. And from Tom, we go to the champion of data. Uh, it's Josh Preno Prenogast here. Joshy, how are you going? Good, Chipper. How are you, Matt? I'm good. I'm good. Um, after that game between Brisbane and Collingwood, I'm feeling a little better on um, how the game is going. Yeah, no, it was good. Good to see some teams actually willing to kick some balls. It was nice. 
It was very, very good. And that's just what happens when you get some free-flowing football. Hopefully, we see a little bit more of that. But um, just some breaking news coming in in between uh, Tom and, and you. Um, the penalty's been handed out for Tom Hawkins. He's getting a week. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Good or good or bad? Fair play. I agree. Yep, fair play. Nick Nat Newey, I don't think we've gotten anything yet. Prendo, have you heard anything from Nick Nat Newey's uh, tackle? Uh, no, can't believe it's even an issue, to be honest, but haven't heard if there's been any further development in that case. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're actually, like, I, I saw AFL 360 tonight with uh, Robbo and Jared, and there have been incidents where Nick Nat has done the same tackle, and he has, like, no one's batted an eye, and I don't know why this has become an issue now, but hopefully Nick Nat gets off, justice prevails, and he moves on, he plays uh, against GWS on the weekend, which uh, should be a pretty good contest. But, yeah, there's about 100 incidents about a weekend, let alone <laughs> by Nick Nat annoy, so I'm not sure why it was even brought up to the match review panel, so interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, but... We are here to talk uh, some more footy. We're here to talk about your power rankings every uh, every Monday and Tuesday. We You get another instalment on your website, alprendetto.com. Um, I'm looking right at the top of the bat. It's again Richmond, 6-1. and one. Nothing's changed. They just looked um, a class above, especially in the last quarter. Yeah, they were awesome on the weekend. They had a bit of a spell in the third quarter, but outside of that... Just complete domination. Didn't even allow. Didn't really allow Frio to get the ball past the centre line. Their forward half pressure is it's it's on another level. Like it went to another level end of last year, and it's just been maintained at that level. It's just amazing. The Tigers' ability just to lock that ball in their front half and just force the other team into turnover, and then they just capitalise. I, I saw an interesting stat over the weekend. Richmond's percentage in last quarter so far this year at 400%. So if they keep their side, the, the side they're playing, within a goal or two, or even if they're down by a goal or two, you can always pencil it in that Richmond's just going to run away in the last quarter and, the I don't know, the scoreline might be too flattering for them sometimes because it's been such a... Oh, I saw the Richmond Collingwood contest a couple of weeks ago very, very evenly contested until that last quarter and they came away and well, what do you think is is that uh, a product of? Is it fitness or is it just an ability to just break an opposition team down? Probably a bit of both. More, probably the, more the just grinding a team into the dirt and that team just finally breaks... And then the floodgates are open, I think, for the Tigers. They did it against, as you said, the Collingwood game was a prime example. Um, pretty much happened in the Melbourne game on Anzac Eve as well. Like the Ds, as much as they copped some heat that week, they were actually pretty good for three quarters and took the fight right up to the Tigers. And then the scoreline just sort of blew out in the last quarter. It was very similar scoreline to the Collingwood game. If you look at the first three quarters in isolation, Melbourne was right in that contest. And then Richmond just, as they do, ran them into the dirt and blew the gates open in the last quarter. They were seven points behind at one stage in that third term, and then they, yeah, they just went away. But we'll keep going down your power rankings board. Second, Adelaide. Third, Hawthorne. Love Hawthorne. Love the way they go about it. They've got a big game on Friday night against your mob. Game of the rounds. I know we're still going through the power rankings, but let's just um, touch on this game for a moment. It's going to be in wet conditions. Both teams play very well in wet conditions. Um, and this is just set to be an absolute... No? You don't think so? No, I don't think so. you do play well in wet conditions. I believe that's a major myth. 
All right. But it has, been, has been for a number of years. Okay, I'll give you this stat. Uh, the Hawks are 10-2 and two when playing in the rain since 2014. The Swans are 13-5 and five in these conditions since 2014. Yeah, 13 and 5. That's about what their record would be in across 18 games of normal footy as well, I would have thought. So you think really that. Look at yeah. the Swans' record that Eddie had since 2014. It's about. It's actually a better record than that, and there's never a wet day that he had. So I just think they're just a good team, and they win games when they should, but actual wet weather footy is not suited to the Swans. Well, uh, okay, well, that, well, there you go. I'm hosting. Um, the uh, punt pod, the punt podcast on Thursday night. So I'll um, bring in that little bit of info um, on behalf of Prendo. But we're going to go on to team number four, a team that you and me um, completely agree on. This team does both our heads in West Coast. Yes, they beat Port Adelaide. Yes, they beat a potential contender, but it was in bloody Western Australia, and Port Adelaide just aren't going. Are they just going through the motions at the moment? I don't know what I can get out of this game. They're unbelievably six and one. Do you think it's just a mixture of the the injury gods playing um, to the part of West Coast when comparing to the other teams that have been absolutely riddled with them? I'm talking about Geelong, GWS, and Adelaide, or are West Coast actually a contender now? Um, I've talked a lot about West Coast over the few past few weeks and sort of paid a fair bit of attention to how their midfielders mainly are tracking because that was the part of the part of their side I really had little had doubts on at the start of the season. And I've actually decided that perhaps not perhaps, I've decided I got this one I got this one wrong. <laughs> they they obliterated Port Adelaide through the midfield on the weekend and West Coast's best midfielder played about ten percent of the game and one of their other top midfielders was out and they still obliterated Port which is, in my opinion, well, was a quality midfield. So I'm going to admit I got that one wrong. There's a lot of, there's obviously been some a lot of improvement from within through the West Coast midfield, and we know they've got a good forward line. We know they've got a solid back line, and if that midfield has shown the improvement, if they can maintain that, then yes, they are a genuine, genuine contender because they will win a majority of games at home, which will put them in a position to. Be a chance for the top four, and once you're in the top four, you're a dead set contender. Yeah, well, I said to Tom, I've got three teams that are in the eight now that might fall out of the eight. I've got West Coast as one of them. I'm not, I'm still not convinced, but the one thing I love about West Coast are their youth. Uh, Jackson Nelson, uh, player out of the Geelong Falcons, Tom Cole, Bendigo Pioneers, Jack Petrocelli, one of my favourites from the Northern Knights, your Northern Knights, Prendo. An absolute speedster. May need to work on his kicking, but he suits West Coast so well. And you've obviously got an intercepting machine of a defense there in Jeremy McGovern uh, leading the way. And Jack Darling is having an all-Australian season, I believe. Yeah, he's he's pretty much taken over from Kennedy as their number one forward target. And with Kennedy just sort of playing second fiddle, it's a damn good second fiddle to have. Throw in Mark Lacroix, who everyone thought was cooked um, towards the end of last season. He's bounced back really well and shown some good form. And Jamie Cripps just bobs up, kicks a couple of sniggles each week and does his role. And it's just, yeah, it's a very, very well-functioning forward line. And if that midfield, as I said, can maintain what they've put together so far, it's big surprises, but 
if they can maintain that, then they are well and truly in the hunt, the, the toast. 100, 100% the toast. Um, now, I'll keep going through uh, 5th Geelong, 6th Collingwood. I actually got, um, in my power rankings, I've got Collingwood 4th above West Coast and then Geelong. Uh, Melbourne's coming back. They're in form. Two-game winning streak, 7. North Melbourne, 8. Your Swans, 9. And I loved your little thing here about them just quickly. How the fuck do they beat Geelong in Geelong, then lose to North at home? Um, unpredictability, I think, is the case for Sydney this year. I, I predicted they might fall off a bit of a cliff. Is it coming to fruition, or is it just a little bit of a of a of a speed bump for Sydney at the moment? I think what happened was exactly what I spoke about last week. Yeah. How one week without Buddy, you're unpredictable. No one knows what you're going to do in your forward line. You can get away with it. Second week, an unpredictability's gone. Players are clamped down on, and they did struggle to score. They dominated that game for most of the second half, and just couldn't put any score on the board. And then when North slingshot the other way, they were able to get a score. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Port Adelaide 10th, GWS 11th, 12th of the Bulldogs, Frio 13, Gold Coast 14, the Airport West Generals 15th, Saints 16th, 17th are Brisbane. And I got a new nickname for Carlton. I got them called the Carlton Browns because I think they emulate the Cleveland Browns of the NFL. They've got the wrong colour in their team at the moment in their nickname. Could this be the first ever team to go through a game, uh, go through a season completely defeated? I'll answer that question next week. I reckon they're a chance on the weekend. Essendon? They've got Essendon, don't they? They have a great record against the Bombers, yeah. and they just seem to get themselves up for a game against the Bombers. So if ever the Blues were going to fire up this season and put together a performance, it probably will be this weekend. But having said that, the Bombers are just about a shot, so they need a response. And any and any chance of a, oh, sorry, the perfect weekend for a response from the Bombers would also be against the arch enemy to shut down that uh, that hoodoo that's been building and should thrash them. How good would it be? I actually wouldn't mind Carlton beating Essendon, considering. Uh... A uh, bit of uh, bit of talk and a bit of smack early this or early this week from Essendon fans, but um, their team's in a bit of uh, disrepute at the moment. But hopefully they turn around as well. You never want to see a team go completely bonkers, um, so hopefully they get it together. St Kilda as well. Let's just hope they get something going. Um, but Brisbane, you've got them seventeenth. I think I've got them seventeenth as well. They're zero and seven, but this is a weird one. Is this the most impressive zero and seven team you've ever seen? They're not a bad team, I'll say that. They're not a bad team. The only thing is, they are winless. They've had games where they've played opponents that are down near them on the ladder, not necessarily below them, because it's only one team below them, but down near them on the ladder, and they couldn't get the job done. So the sheer fact that they're 0-7 for a reason, they haven't won a game, they don't know how to win a game, until they can prove that they can win a game, then I'll start to think they're actually on the improve. Yeah, fair enough. Um, also, that's uh, well. First of all, that's the that's your power rankings. Go on alprendetta.com to to have a watch and have a look. And your wax coming up tomorrow, which should be exciting. But want to give um want to give credit to uh, one of our new favourites in the AFL, uh, Jack Thierry Henry Henry. He is the nab rising star for round seven. Josh, we watched him play on Friday night against GWS. He did play like Thierry Henry on the weekend. Yeah, for a while there, I thought he was actually a GWS player the amount of times I kicked the footy <laughs> to him. But, uh, no, he's just 
young kid, first first year in, the, in for the for the Cats, and he's just fitted in beautifully in that back line. It's uh, injury leads to opportunity for some clubs, and it's happened down there with Harry Taylor going down and Henderson missing for the season so far. It's opened up a couple of spots, and jumping Jack Henry has uh, bobbed up and looks well and truly at home. He just reads the play brilliantly. And yeah, uses good foot skills as well. Actually, coming out of the defence, he doesn't turn much, doesn't turn it over very often. And another boy that uh, I know you were big on last year, Chipper, who's taken another step forward, Tommy Stewart. They've sort of yes. really stepped up in the absence of those other two and putting together a nice little intercepting duo down there for the Cats. He is in talks to be the next captain of the Cats. That's how good he's been. Um, and I kind of agree. Just his leadership. Um, I said he was going to be a smoky. Whoever picks this guy up. He's going to be a really, really good player in the AFL, just suits the system. And Geelong VFL converted to Geelong AFL, um, just took it from there. But we'll go through the nominees quickly for this year. I think it's a very exciting list so far. Round one, Riley Bonner. Round two, Tom Duday, who's probably the favourite at the moment. Round three, Sam Murray. Four, Jaden Stevenson. Five, Ben Long. Round six, Jake Waterman. And Thierry Henry rounds it off at round seven. So it's a very exciting... It's I don't think it's going to be as one-sided as it has been over the past few years. So it's going to be that's a it's a really re- i think the rising star is almost a better award than the coleman now in modern times yeah just hearing those names you reel through them like there's a couple of other young kids that have had good seasons so far yet to be nominated as well i think it's probably over the first seven weeks it's as wide open as it's been for some time i like you just said then would probably be leaning towards Day as the favorite but yeah well and truly a wide open wide open race at this stage so we should just see if someone emerges from that pack and takes it to another level or whether someone else yet to be nominated can have a, a blinding patch of footy and come through. So exciting times with the, the youth youth of the AFL coming through. It's good. Yeah, very exciting. I also want to give a, a massive um, shout-out to the VFLW competition. That's debuted this past week. Um, you've done a couple of games, Josh. What did you think of the talent level? Do you think it's a bit diluted with the amount of teams or like we're really excited to see them on board? What do, what do you think of the competition so far after round one? Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be like it's, it's a state league competition, so it's a step down from AFLW, but it's unlike the VFL compared to AFL with just AFL reserves players playing. It's uh, the VFLW contains a lot of AFLW stars as the AFLW season finishes and then the VFLW season starts. So it's uh, it's good to get a look at those players, um, a bit more of a look at those players before the next AFLW season, as well as the potential new recruits for the AFLW. Obviously, two new expansion teams next year. The AFLW will be 10-team competition, so obviously needing some more talent to fill those spots, and it's good to be able to the VFLW to give them a, a launching pad and give people a chance to have a look and see what's coming through. 100%, mate. Well, um, we're almost out of time, but we're going to go through quickly the uh, the fixtures for the weekend. We've already touched on Hawthorne, Sydney, GWS, um, Weagles, or the West Toast, as you call them. Um, quick prediction? Uh, giants to bounce back. Yep. Carlton Essendon, you've already said Carlton to bounce back. Gold Coast, Melbourne at the Gabba. Yeah, I think the Ds will get the job done there and continue as they should. Yep. Um, showdown. Port Adelaide v Adelaide. Now, here's a stat that Tom told us earlier this um, early in this podcast. Port Adelaide are actually considerably better in afternoon and twilight games than they are in night games. This game is 440. Interesting. That's Yeah, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought of that. But 
good good stat by the Dorf there. Um, still going to lean towards the Crows, although showdowns and like derbies, anything can happen. But still going to lean towards the Crows. Yeah, I'm going towards the Crows as well. Um, Bulldogs Lions at Etihad Stadium. May not look like a big game, but this is massive for both the Bulldogs and Lions. Can the Lions win their first game? Can the Bulldogs actually bounce back to be 4-4? Four and four? Yeah, Dogs will win that. Uh, Frio St. Kilda at Optus Stadium? Frio can comfortably. And then Sunday has two absolute ripper contests. You wouldn't have actually thought of this at a pre-season, but North Melbourne Richmond at Etihad, 110. Who have you got? I'll go the Tigers, but Etihad... The game at Etihad does make it a little bit more a chance for North. Richmond do love the G and play the G brilliantly, but I kind of get a feeling North could get off to the start, early start, and then Richmond will slowly, slowly as they do, Tiger football, I'm going to call it, grind them down and then kick away towards the end. And that margin may end up not looking as good as it could, but I reckon it'll be a cracking game for three quarters. North Melbourne have averaged under 70 points conceding a game. So if they can hold Richmond to at least 90, they're in for a chance. And the last game to round off a big weekend of footy, Collingwood and Geelong, 320 MCG. Collingwood is Geelong's bogey team. And uh, they play, I think they're 5-0 and against Geelong on Sunday afternoon games at the G in their past five. Yeah, I actually, this to me, I know you said Friday nights we match them around. It's toss-up between this one and and uh, the Geelong-Collingwood game. I reckon the Cats will get over the line, but it will be a cracker, and I hope it is. Yeah, me too. Like, Cats fan, but I'm, I'm just loving what Collingwood's done. Um, but, but that's all the time we have. Um, Josh, thanks so much for coming on the line with us, sharing your opinion. Your wax coming out tomorrow. Just a little hint on who it's going to go towards. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit red and white, I think. Ooh, ooh, okay. Ooh, okay. Um, that's that's going to be, um, you, you're not going to miss a that. Bit, a little bit close to the heart, let's just say. <laughs> a little bit of venting by Josh. He would not have wanted to be next, uh, would not have wanted to be next to you on, next to you on Saturday night. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, but that's all the time we have. Like I said, Josh, thank you. Um, we're going to be back Friday morning. I'm releasing the second edition of the punt for round eight for those that are interested in getting on the punt on the weekend brought to you by points bet. But again, Joshy, thank you. No, no worries, Jimmy. Happy to do it. Happy to come on anytime, man. No dramas. And thank you all to our listeners. Like I said, we'll be back in a couple of days. Um, but for now, enjoy the rest of your week.